Hello everybody and welcome to Provagoni. We will not get there on a road bike. Special episode this time for several reasons. Let's start from the beginning. This one is the last episode of the season, season number five, and I'm so lucky to have Komoot on my side and to have had Komoot on my side also for this season, for the second season in a row, because they are amazing, amazing people that are really looking around some of the best adventure that you can have. And I have to say that now with the trail view, nothing is really the same. It's the best feature that you can really, really have if you want to take your adventure off-road. Thanks a lot, Komoot, for being my partner for season number five. And let's see what season number six is going to tell us. I'm going to keep you posted. Second way, because this one is a super special episode, is because I'm recording the episode from here, the bike cafe of Pinerolo. Yes, I'm spending my season, off season, let's say vacation and Christmas season all around. And one of my best places where I can take forward my job my work and my passion like this podcast is is this place if you are here around close to torino actually but here around pinerolo please come over and pay a visit to the bike cafe especially here to the cafe of the bike cafe because food is super amazing and it's super lovely because a lot of people are here around and you can see it's pretty lively and a lot of people are getting in and out that's why this noise last episode of the season is special also because this is a live episode i went in the period when i was outside actually in uk for the further for the east i actually paid a visit to hunt and hunt wheels is really a brand that i have in my heart and that's why i wanted to show you better let you listen everything that is around this amazing brand and this amazing factory I was actually walked around by Josh, Josh Shibet. You actually got to listen to him several times during this season. And they met all the people behind this awesome brand. I hope you liked it. Some comments are gonna be around, but if you want really to help me, go down and put a five star. It's really gonna help the algorithm on make this Broomwagon podcast really, really keen to be in to be discovered by everybody of you. So five-star rating or whatever it is, send me any feedback you would like to send me and let me know how we can really build up a better podcast with Calamaro CC or the Broomwagon podcast on the Instagram. Ah, yeah, and down below you can also find as well a coffee link. If you want to keep this podcast independent and give me actually a good of a push and a bit of a push for this season and for the season to come, you know that you can pay me a coffee and I would be super happy to receive your push on that. Now, let's go to the podcast. It's going to be a long one. It's going to be actually probably be published at the end of the year, 30 or 31st of December. Huge hugs for the best of the new years and I will talk to you at the end. Josh, where are we today? Uh, we're at the, well, we're at Partridge Green, which is a small village in Sussex. Um, and it's where Hunt, Hunt Bike Wheels are based. Okay. Um, so yeah, this is uh, various kind of buildings that, um, that various departments are based in. Um, so yeah, we're just going to wander around and, and find some people to talk to. <laughs> yes, it's fine. <laughs> and uh, cover the different aspects of the business. <laughs> yes, let's go on that. And then at a certain point, I want to hear your story about setting up Tubeless. Okay, <laughs> we'll do that on the way to the end. <laughs> Basically, our tour starts from... Uh, you tell me. 
Hi, I'm I'm Pete Marchmont. So I'm one of the directors and one of the founders at uh, the Rider Firm, which is home to, among other things, Hunt Bike Wheels, um, Privateer Mountain Bikes, and Ken E Adventure Bikes. Perfect. So, what's usually the aspect that you're taking care of the most? Um, I guess just kind of across everything. I mean, kind of gone through from from the start of the business, obviously, where you're in in every part of what's going on and a big learning process of going through the years of gradually sharing that out with more people and getting more expert people into the business who can kind of look after things and, and do a more more professional job sometimes, which is <laughs> which is definitely a nice transition when you get to be able to do it. That's super great. Let's start also from another point of view. So for sure, you're a cyclist, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I, I, you know, I've ride bikes for a very long time since I was a kid, but, you know, got into it um, more as I got through university. So it very much a family affair, but um, my two older brothers, uh, Tom and Andrew, so Tom, who works, started the business with me, um, they they got into probably mountain biking at, at the end of school um, through a little local bike shop that used to do take all the kids in a van up to up to the forest and they would do like downhill runs and stuff on you know sort of 80 mil hardtail mountain bikes yeah so that's where, where it started for us as a family and they, they you know tom went through university they both rode quite a lot at uni and then he went back and started working in a bike shop which is around the time i was at university and got you know got a first mountain bike and started doing a little bit of little bit of riding in the holidays and a couple of you know cross-country races coming in you know yeah in the in the very back part of the field bringing up the rear but um yeah it was it was good good fun entry into it and where i grew up in the isle of man this big big cycling scene so we 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 were we were there at the time when i guess for you know, Cav was coming through on the road and doing big things, but there was a there was a huge um, mountain bike scene there as well. Mostly kind of cross country stuff, but we had a big local race that my dad helped run, um, which was called like the end to end. So that was like a forty mile mountain bike race from one length of the island to the other. Mm. So we would do that every year, and that was kind of the big thing we would all get get excited about and get ready for every year. So that that was kind of my intro to intro to cycling. But since then, done a bit of road riding done spent got more into doing sort of bike packing trips so me and my wife are both quite into doing doing some sort of multi-day i wouldn't quite say bike pack you know proper serious bike packing it's more holidays on bikes but that's, awesome. that's quite nice um, yeah. and yeah and starting back into mountain biking now which is which is nice so <laughs> going full circle <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so let's start from the beginning then of the company how everything came together i mean probably everything started the riders firm firm started with uh, with hunt wheels right um so actually the the very first part of the business um so the the proper company name is called ITS Cycling, but that's named after a little business which was called innertubeshop.com so okay. so that was the first business that i actually started um kind of part part time when i was still working in a in a bank which was like a less interesting part of my life um but you know it was a very simple business um really what but at the core of it it matched a lot of what we do now which is it's about serving riders and doing something that's going to help riders and what i looked at when we saw what you could get for an inner tube if you needed to buy an inner tube it was a confusing process it wasn't very easy to do if you went online like there wasn't really you know if you don't know how to do it actually when you first look at that it's like 
there's a load of numbers printed on the side of a tire and no one knows what the hell they mean and getting through and going work that out right make that really easy for people to understand and then do something that you know is going to deliver you know pack 10 in the tube through the post it's you know it's a simple business it was small and, and straightforward but we looked after riders well we helped them out helped them understand the product and made it easy for people and and that got that little bit of the start of the business going and then after a couple of years um tom then joined the business um after quite a lot of experience working in the bike industry and shops and in distributors he joined the business and that was when we started working on on hunt so um that's when we got got going with that yeah yeah, yeah that's great and then uh, i mean how everything developed from by then yeah um so the first initial idea of hunt was at a simple level it was looking at what were the what were the wheels that were out there at the time and and this was I suppose it was a very opportune time to start a wheel company in that there was a load of new technology starting to come through that was, you know, gravel cycling had only really just started to kick off. Um, I think you were only just starting to get disc brakes even on cyclocross bikes at the time. So we're talking um, about 2000... 2014. Okay. So I think disc brakes had been relatively new in cyclocross and, and they still weren't allowed in road racing. So we were looking at road at, at, to start with, but, and then there was also this start of tubeless so hutchinson had hutchinson had been doing road tubers for a while but it just started to get picked up by some other companies schwalbe had launched their first road tubers tires and stuff like that so there was a load of stuff that was quite new but that had been really slow to kind of get into the wider market of product that actually people were using and and especially that stuff you know disc brakes wider tires tubeless tires the bikes they make the most sense for are the bike that you're riding every day that you're riding all year round in all conditions or that you're starting to do some sort of gravel riding on. Whereas a lot of that in terms of the wheels was because it was new, went only on like the highest end product or it was on like maybe some OE standard equipment. And there was nothing there that was like, this is something that is going to be durable enough to use all year round, specced properly for the kind of conditions that you're in, but still fast enough that if the purpose that you're wanting it for is to race, we've got a product that is, you know, a race level product. If the purpose is to have something that feels fast and reliable and is going to run you all year round, we've got something like that. And it was just looking all aluminium rims at the start. And it was just looking at like, what's the purpose for each of those wheels? Mm. And let's go through the detail of that product and go through all the different levels How do we make it spec'd to do that purpose the best way it possibly can? And that, that was really the principle of how we started. And it's still the principle of how we do product now. It's like, what's it for? As long as we work out what it should be for, that gives us the guidance. And yeah. then as we go through the rest of the product, it's like, how do we make it the best that it can be for doing that, for yeah. doing that purpose? And if it's not, if we don't think it can be the best across all of the different aspects of what might go into making a good product for a four season road wheel or for a gravel race wheel or whatever it might be or a you know a long distance bikepacking wheel then if we can't make it tick all those boxes then we don't make it or we will go back to the drawing board and work out and mm. ha work out to improve it until yeah. we get there so i have to say something here because pete was so humble not to mention that the guy called josh but that is here around and you can listen to his voice won actually the tcr in 2015 with a set of hunt for season disc 
prototypes or a bit more, the first batch of it, and also a Maison bike. This was kind of a prototype as well. You're going to listen a bit more of this story later, but it and all the Hunt family, they're just great to really have pushed forward and bet on such an amazing scene that now is the bikepacking scene. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's super cool, actually. I mean, basically, you put the customer in the middle. So yeah. something what the customer are going to use the wheels for and then make something around that and not actually educating the customer or on having a super fast rim because it's super aero or super stiff or yeah. whatever. I mean, if you need it for commuting and everything, use it this time or... Yeah, yeah, and you have the technology there and you, we use that stuff. And, you know, if you look at like the 42 Limitless gravel wheel, that's an aero-developed rim, which is like really the first properly aerodynamically developed rim specifically for gravel racing yeah. and to work with the width and the tread patterns of a, of a gravel tyre. But the point is, that's not because we think it's cool or think it's fun to do an aero gravel rim. It's because we see that actually if you want to do those races and you're doing, and the average speeds that you're doing in those, in those events like Unbound, there's a tangible benefit to having that. So we'll go and develop that and we'll make it happen. So you have that where we have technology it's always the technology is to serve the purpose of the rider not because it's fun or cool to do yeah. to do that and, and and i love like engineering and we all love doing fun engineering stuff but it's not for its own sake it's for developing a, a delivering a product that's going to be a better experience as a rider yeah fast forward to today now is not only hunt right you have also privateers mountain yep. bike cairns i think it's called and it's yeah. e-bike. You have many things, right? Yeah, we have a, a few things. So um, actually, probably the the earlier before both of the bike uh, brands that we did, we did a we have a brand which is still very small, um, and it's kind of more something we experiment with. But it was a product that we really wanted to make, which is descent gloves. Um, I love so, it. Yeah, 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 that's, cool. yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good to hear, and that's yeah. that's kind of why we still do it commercially. Yeah. Commercially, like, we don't do loads and loads of these gloves. Um, you know, from that point of view, it wouldn't necessarily make sense to continue. But we order, we've developed the system for it. And basically, for it's, it's a layered glove system. So in the same way as you might have for uh, uh, a jacket, you might have a base layer, a mid layer, and a, and a, top, a top layer, yeah. a, a waterproof top layer. Um, it's got a silk liner base layer. Uh, it's got a um, knitted um, insulating mid layer and a windproof, waterproof top layer in that same way and it allows you rather than having you know a different set of gloves for each conditions you've got one layering system that allows you to cover all the conditions and put them in and you know we, we all love using them i really like it i mean again if you do a multi-day trip like you know i go away go somewhere for a week i've got no idea what the weather condition is going to be like and i don't want to have loads of different sets of gloves whereas i know if i just take that waterproof the full waterproof top layer the, the h-dry one I know whatever the weather, if it's cold, I'll wear it and it's still, it'll give me a lot of warmth. But if it's wet, wet I can, you know, you can ride in it for hours and still have dry hands. It's amazing. So That's I love so it. Good. I love we don't do too much of it. That's really, really the great yeah. passion I can see yeah. there. And, and that's, that's why we do these things. It's like, what, there's a, there's a clear purpose there and there's something that we felt like what was available what wasn't doing what we needed to Especially do. Tom used to get really cold hands. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> That's totally right to design, and then your dad as well. So yeah. Between them, it made sense to design some gloves yeah. and get cold hands. <laughs> yeah, and, and so we still do that and we, we thought we might develop that into some other ideas and we, we spent some time working on that but none of them 
quite came off. And I think that's an important thing to talk about because, you know, sometimes everyone thinks you see all the things that you've done and you go, oh, well, everything just just works. And it's like, well, it doesn't always just work. Some, st- some stuff you spend some time on and it doesn't work or you, or you get there and you go, oh, it's, it's like 70 or 80 percent there, but it's not it's not quite there. And it, it would not quite it's not going to quite make sense to take it to the final point because there's a few too many barriers and then we'll leave that and we might we're not throwing it out we've still got samples still people still running it but at some point you'll you might pick it up or you might not and okay it's important to have those things that you know not everything you try <laughs> works out yeah. a load of, a load of stuff doesn't and, and and i think a lot of it is just making sure you're sensible about where where you spend loads and loads of time doing stuff and where you'd kind of go that, that, that idea doesn't can be left for a little bit yeah. and see if it if we still feel like it's worth the work in six months or a year's time, we'll do it. But it doesn't always come through. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the other ones seems like they're running, right? I mean, uh... yeah, you just need enough, enough, enough good things that work to yeah. to make things go. And then yeah, so then the other two brands you mentioned, so so Privateer, we we both they both started around the same time, so around the end of 2019, mm-hmm. 2018, early 2019, um, and um, Privateer is a race focused um, mountain bike brand. Uh, company so really what we're looking at is if you're that kind of privateer racer um the name is pretty clear yeah, i mean yeah exactly you know you are self you know you generally self-funding i mean you know people will have a few sponsors but if anything you know they're very lucky those guys if they're if the point they're if they're at a point where the sponsorship is covering their costs of racing for the year it's certainly not paying them any kind of a salary so they're running a really tight budget to to go through that year and it's like well it's like if you want to have a product that's going to deliver the best possible output for you the things that we knew were going to make a difference to the performance was having the geometry having the suspension kinematics set up right um so it delivers an output for for the rider on the track that was more important than having a carbon frame for example you know and so what we were able to do is we were able to put spend the money in those bikes on the bits that really really made a difference do the stuff that didn't cost a lot to develop like because suspension kinematics and geometry is free you know yeah. it's just yeah, way, yeah. how you how you put all those things together it's just the, the brain you know the brain power and work of our engineers to go and get that get that right and then and then deliver something that's you know an aluminium bike at a kind of really good price for an aluminium bike that that can race on a world level so that's really where privateer comes from and then uh, Ken is um, e bikes for devoted riders, and it's still developing. Um, f- the first two bikes we have in it are kind of adventure gravel bikes um, that add a lot of practicality for people for either doing longer adventures, longer trips at the weekend, or but also being a bike that yeah, obviously you're going to use it for your commute as well. And if you're someone who's got you know a 10 mile each way commute well with an e-bike you can now do that every day whereas trying to do that every day without an e-bike unless you're pretty pretty serious which i'm certainly not that's a real you know that's a real challenge to do whereas it makes that doable all year round for people or it might be you know at a short level it's a kind of you you can do the trip that and have a shower at the other end or whatever mm-hmm. or, or you can do it in your civvies rather than in your in your lycra so that's the kind of, but the the idea with Ken is it's it's bikes for devoted riders. Which the longer term vision of it is, you know, clearly 
we would all like to be in a world where we're using cars a little bit less. We're using other options for getting around. And there's a load of effort going into putting people onto e-bikes instead of cars. But people who are already riding bikes at the weekend should be almost the first in the queue for that, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot harder to convince someone who doesn't really ever ride a bike to go and start taking an e-bike to take the kids to school or to do the shopping or get ride to work. Whereas if you're already riding a bike at the weekend for fun, like you should be the easiest person to convince to go where you can ride the bike to work and, and you know, do all of those other things in your life on a bike instead of in a car. Um, so that's where we want to go with that is starting to build that out into those other areas. So Yeah, yeah. Um, another question that I have actually, and it's, I mean, it's a bit the vision of the company, right? Yep. So it's pretty... I mean, it's pretty funny, if I can say, that actually it seems like everything started with uh, inner tubes. Yeah. And then everything went a bit more on the vision of the, a bit more off-road kind of way. And then this developed actually quickly and easily on the tubeless, right? Yeah. But you had all the time in mind, probably, of course, road bike was always, always there, whatever. But you really put a lot of effort a bit more on the off-road adventure side. Yeah. How did it come into your mind that? Yeah, well, um, probably a lot of credit goes to Josh, who's sat here with us as well. Okay. Um, um, and yeah, like, so Josh joined the business um, really kind of soon after we'd started started the hunt part of the business. So so we had, at the time, we had um, two people working for us, Sarah and Shirley, who both still work in, in the business now. Awesome. So Sarah runs, uh, Shirley runs our warehouse team and Sarah runs a lot of our kind of... Um, UK OE key accounts work so they're both still working in the business now and Josh is still working in the business to some extent <laughs> a bit part time work but he does a great job looking after all of our, our beyond side but Josh was coming in I remember actually when when I was working on the inner tubes at, at the same time Josh was working at um, his previous job and it was doing I think it was was it the first year you did TCR where you came second yeah when was it I ride when, yeah. when Tom had just left yeah, and I, I remember, yeah, that was my first experience of dot watching, and, get, and I had no idea of what this what this kind of race was, and it was just discovering that. And, and we, were, I remember getting sort of, I picked it up from from the the social, you know, the, the social feed that that it comes through, and I was like, oh wow, Josh is doing really well. This is cool, um, and I ended up following it through, and he, you know, he came second, and and it was. It was awesome to like then hear catch up and hear the stories when we got to talking about a job because you know some of the stuff about a job. Okay, okay, okay. Now you stop here and then you start listening to this story because if you can listen to Josh talking about leaving his nine to five to embrace the bike packing world and you won't jump off of your kicker or punch the honk of your steering wheel in your car, well, I don't know what it could make you do it it was a very weird so 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 tom there was obviously um uh, pete's brother was the the uh the marketing manager at an unnamed company in the local area yeah um and i was ended up in his kind of i guess marketing assistant yeah put it this way tom was very keen for me to help out a lot and my yeah. life was very easy and i was like this is probably a little bit too good to be true what's the catch and then uh i think one friday tom said um yeah, I've uh, I've handed in my notice and um, they've put me on garden leave, so I'm going in an hour. Let me show you everything. <laughs> and, uh, and then I was seemed to be well, I wouldn't say marketing manager, but I was I was trying to like fill the gaps and make things happen still. Um, okay. And that was 2014, and obviously yeah. 
in hindsight, it's golden. Obviously, Tom and yeah. Pete had a plan all along. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I ended up doing that, and then I got fed up with the job as well. Um, I think I, I told you earlier about the story of yeah. T-Shaw when I came back, and I was excited and talking to the boss, and I was like, you know, I came second, I really think I can win it next year, and he just turned around and said, well, you can't have that time off next year because uh, someone else wants that time. Oh. And I didn't even think I said... Uh, okay, well, I'll find another job then. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. I'm only need to do that now. <laughs> and that's when I decided to leave and yeah. do the travelling because the, the, the TCR opened my eyes to sort of bikepacking. Mm-hmm. I've always been racing, but then I was like, oh, the, the journey and the travel was really good. So I ended up um, going travelling, but just before I went, like, obviously, the, the bike world is a small world and rumours get around. And um, Tom sent me a message. He's like, oh, do you want to go for a beer? I was like... Yeah, why not? I mean, slightly odd, but there we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to bring my brother with me. And then uh, <laughs> it was kind of one of those, um, I mean, considering you had a, it's, you were making it out, you had a vague idea, you had some very detailed plans on a bike brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we'd certainly, we got a little bit further on, on, on stuff by that point. So, yeah. but yeah, and, and, and I think the, you know, the, the first, I mean, the first four wheels we did were all, you know, nominally road focus wheels, although, you know, actually, it's funny, you go to an event like, you know, uh, Day Reaver or something like that, and, you know, I'll see several pet sets of our four-season disc wheels that we was one of the very first four sets mm. that's still in the range now, although it's on a, you know, a third of, third version or fourth version now. Um, you still see people using those for, for gravel because they do a, a great job of that as well. But, yeah, very soon after that first four sets of wheels we then started working on stuff that was specifically for gravel which again no one had really ever done that for and a wheel set was well. go, go, yeah no one had really ever done a, a wheel set that was specifically built around around gravel and and it was just about yeah a little bit more spoke count but mainly it was obviously and there's been a long we're on a journey still still here but the yeah, main main thing was really about getting those wider internal widths so and i think at the time it wasn't the, the four season disc wasn't really going to be the main set of the range I think you guys yeah. thought you'd be yeah. selling all the rim brake stuff yeah yeah and then exactly. the disc brake wheel set was the best it selling just took and off, yeah. kept selling and selling and selling yeah. and then it was like well well maybe disc brakes are a thing yeah and we did really well in that early phase with it because mm. there was just so little else that did that job the alternative um, for more money was like a two kilogram wheel set and this was like 1600 grams yeah tubeless ready you could get all the bearings yeah. you could get yeah. tubeless tyres fitted yeah. And you it, could talk to someone. At, uh, and, well, it, and it was kind of silly when we started it. When we started it, because we, we were like, "Well, I can buy a twenty-nine and mountain bike wheel set that's sixteen hundred grams. Why is the only road wheel set like four hundred grams, three or four hundred grams heavier than that that I can buy with disc brakes?" It didn't make any sense. So we knew we could we knew we could go and do something that was gonna was gonna kind of blow that out of the water. And it, and it, you know, I think on that first product, it was I think it's fair to say we did a pretty. I think we nailed it pretty well on yeah. that and you know we got some good reviews on it and that really helped helped it go on but yeah the gra- the gravel side of things having Josh's insight from him starting to go through and then do gravel events and do more of that style of riding just at a time when it really was was new and what you know and what gravel riding meant it's constantly changing still now and it's different for different people in different parts of the country I mean in the states it's still you know we don't really have gravel roads here in the UK we have we have we have this thing called bridleways, which yeah. the, the hint in the name is that they're a horse track, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, and you've probably seen quite a lot of them over. I that, saw over them the in the weekend. Absolutely, and, and it's, it's, a little, it's a little bit different to a kind of nice, 
you know, fine gravel road that's maybe got not load as much grip as a road, but is almost as smooth and you can whip along it, mm. you know, you could 25, 30 kilometers an hour bike, on it and you? you ride a road bike on it. Whereas, you know, these bradleways, you, you, you're going to go very slow on a road bike through them. You need big tyres. Um, and then you go up to the to, north to, like, you know, Yorkshire and then yeah. they're just big rocky, and like... And it's just, yeah, baby heads. Like mountain bike tracks, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember doing one on the Pen Am Bridleway and it was just, like, mm. yeah, just big big bowling balls <laughs> all over the track. So it, it's very different stuff for very different people. And that's always a little bit the challenge with gravel product is, like, making something that that can do all of those different things for different people. Um, and... Yeah, that's where we've then been working on a lot over time since then, and, and then getting involved in the in the sport more widely, both of gravel racing in that sense of those like one day races, but then also obviously in the the ultra style, which can be all sorts of surfaces and all sorts of terrain. But obviously, gravel's a big a big big part of that. Yeah. So yeah, for sure, actually helped that Josh won his first yeah. DCR. Yeah. with a pair of four-season discs. Yeah, yeah, that, that definitely helped. This went actually in the right direction. Didn't do anyone any harm, did it, really? Yeah. <laughs> that, was on the first, that was on the first batch of mason frames. You can see one up there. Yeah. Oh, well. And then the yeah. first batch of the wheels. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think, you know, and there's, a, there's another link there as well, which really helped us get started. So, so actually, that first four-season disc kind of came about because of mason. So Dom, um, was who's, who started Mason Cycles, was was designing that those first generation road bikes and again he was trying to look for a wheel that he was going to spec on it and we were kind of humming and hiring about making a disc brake wheel and going through the spec to try and help dom set up a wheel that he would would work for that would you know kind of helped us really nail down a spec that was really going to work and a, and a and a product that would be right and then actually when dom did the boker um you know the next bike that was again like that it wasn't the f- very first bike that was set up for doing 650b wheels interchangeably 700c but it was close to being the very first time i think maybe the 3t1 existed a little bit sooner it was it was at the start but, of that but it that was trend, it, wasn't it, it was it was <laughs> one of the first bikes that you could get that would do that and um you know so that that was when we we were like right we've got to do the gravel wheel and the 650b version um and it was having Dom's insight to where things were going and the type of riding that people were doing. But really, that was a massive help to us to be able to be like, right, we've got those products right. Because you, it's almost like it gave you a bit of a shortcut to that purpose because it's like, well, it needs the purpose is that it needs to be the right wheel set for this bike. And this bike is the right bike for a, a certain type of riding. So that, that really helped and that really got us moving a lot in terms of the gravel side of things. Um, yeah. Another thing that I want to ask you, probably the last one, I mean, things grew a lot from that, right? But mm. the, the feeling that I have here walking around all these yeah. buildings, that is actually all your offices and facilities yeah. are, the thing that I can really breathe is that still everybody that works here is quite involved in cycling. Yeah. I don't know if everybody, but most of the people I saw, a lot of people coming with their bike here to work. Yeah. I can see bikes all around. I can yeah. actually, you are telling me, I mean, we're having a, a coffee conversation before of you going in uh, um, on the trails, actually, with your mountain bike and all this kind of thing. And we were talking as well about a bike packing trip that the, a trip yeah. that the company is going to do. I mean, how, how do you, I mean, that's a clear decision, but how do you keep the spirit of people really enjoying the bike journey for a company that now is growing. Probably the focus yeah. could be something else, but still, you want to have 
cyclists working for cyclists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, when we... It's, it, I think it does always go back to a bit of the DNA of the business. I mean, you know, when, when we started Hunt, we, after a couple of years, we realised we wanted to start doing some other things and we needed a bit of an identity for the business that was not Hunt and ITS Cycling was just a name to put on the official documents for the, so the business had a name. Um, and we were like, that's when we came up with the idea of the rider firm and that helped us kind of crystallise the idea a little bit, which is that we really, we're a group of riders here to serve riders and that was what it was all about um and that understanding that you've you've got to have people in the sport in all sorts of different ways throughout your business the benefit that that gives you to being able to meet the needs of real riders is it's, it's a, you know it's not just a benefit it's like it's almost essential because if you don't have that you'll always be following a little bit what other people are doing because you won't have that grassroots understanding of what the different types of activities we're all doing on our bikes are that are going to help us know when the next what the next new product should be or even the products we have got how we should be changing them how we should be improving them where you know oh, there might be an issue that we need to fix all of that stuff comes from having people who are into the sport who are in in all its different ways who are riding lots and are sharing that knowledge and that feedback into the business and with each other and it's not something that we have a massive load of structure around in the business it's quite an organic thing but it just comes from having enough people here and again you know we talked about you know say we're going on a bike packing trip on friday it's not mm-hmm. it's a funny thing because it's not like a a really organized thing that we decided every year we must have a bike tracking trip. It's just an organic thing that's come from people being into bikes, being here and all of the rides that we have are just set up by somebody going, yeah, I fancy going for a ride with the people from work, having fun together on bikes and going and setting something up. And Jay, who's running that trip this week, he's like got like insane encyclopedic knowledge of all of the little bridleways and tracks around here. So he can do these, these fantastic routes and he's, he, share, he loves doing that and he loves sharing that with, with everyone else here and it's really cool that we can have that stuff and, and yeah, just at the end of a end of a week's work go and, and have a bit of a chill and a relax with each other and hopefully not get too wet because the weather's looking a little a little funny for this weekend. But So yeah, it's a kind of a long way round. It's, it's like, you know, so people who are into riding and really deep into it, they know so much about, because we love it, like so you spend all your time reading and thinking and thinking about what you're going to do with your bikes where you're going to go how you're going to be riding what stuff you're going to get set how you might change your setup for whatever riding you're trying to do and you can't you can't teach someone that in a classroom you can't do a course to tell you about bikes and how to be a bike rider you have to just do it because you love it um and so there's no rule like people have to ride bikes to be here um naturally you get a lot of people who do ride bikes who yeah. want to be here um but we what is important for us is that we've always got a, a good core of people in the business who are passionate and care about that stuff not just not just in you know different areas of the business but actually at the leadership level of the business as well as we're getting a bit bigger and we're scaling we've got more people into the business you know we've got people who are professional and have got a ton of experience but most of those people have come in almost all of them have got a riding background and a riding experience because that's so important to help you make the right decisions for 
as a business that are going to be making sure we're doing doing the right things for riders, supporting them in the right way and making the right product for them. Yeah, that's great. Anything that we or you are looking forward for the future? Um, yeah, I mean, we, I think we just try and keep, stick to the principles of what, what we think's made us successful so far, but always just trying to, you know, trying to be better at stuff. That's the main thing. You know, we look at what, look at what we're doing now, look at where the challenges are. There's really, you know, really good companies out there trying to do similar stuff to what we're doing or doing stuff that, you know, sometimes they're doing it better than we are. And we want to look at them, learn from them, see where we can go out, change stuff, make it better and just keep, yeah, keep moving forward. And then we've got other ideas as well that are just for maybe for some new brands and, you know, we'll work on those and try and get them, get them out there into the world at some point as well. Yeah, I actually expected that you were saying the backpacking trick of Friday getting wet on that also that's one that's another thing that you're looking forward for right um well i'm i'm okay with it because i brought a tent so i've I'm, i'm normally in the bivy but i think i'm gonna wuss out and go for the tent for this trip yeah i've not spent I've, i've spent a couple of nights in a bivy in the rain and that's a couple too many <laughs> <laughs> that's great thanks a lot Pete. all right thanks very much thank you awesome talk with pete but now let's jump into the offices where people are working behind hand wheels so we are wandering around where are we people uh, the wheel workshop and what are you doing here the wheel i mean building wheels i would say mm. yeah so it's um sort of repairing any wheels that people might have had crashes on things like that um, building up sort of prototype stuff for testing and and all that sort of stuff Athlete wheels. That's perfect. So basically, if I will break my wheel, send you a message, these will arrive here and you fix it. Yeah, yeah, exactly that, yeah. yeah they come through, guys in the office will uh, process them, make sure that there's nothing else wrong with them or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm super bad because I didn't ask you your names. So, I'm Tom. Andy. Perfect people. Something that I want to ask you here around i mean i'm wandering around and i can see one b two bmx a front suspended bike another one seems pretty tricky and then a gravel bike or how you want to call it yeah what what do you ride usually not those <laughs> <laughs> mine mine was up there i ride bmx okay. i ride mountain bikes road bikes as long as it's got wheels that's pretty much me that's very yeah <laughs> isn't this helpful actually for the job that you do because I think that actually with this kind of setup here you crashed a lot of wheels mm. yeah I mean I don't tend to break which is quite lucky <laughs> but I am renowned for falling off okay <laughs> last thing that I want to ask you people so yeah basically then you are building up wheels and you're fixing up builds What is usually the pro ah better? What is usually the problem to find more around of people crashing or what do you have to fix more often? If I can ask you that, because I don't want people to say okay, hands they have this thing that is failing most of the time, but you know, from time to time happened. You get there, you know, there are certain things that will break. The a lot of people hold on to the wheels for a long time, so mm. you know three plus years you're going to get fatigue things with little bits like nipples that are corroding and stuff mm. like that and you know not all of the wheels have got got brass nipples some of them obviously being performance wheels have got alloy nips in them and then after yeah like three or so years depending on where people live what they're riding in mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you're gonna get a corrosion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, what they hit is a very good point. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Last question that I want to ask you: What are we listening to? Uh, Whose playlist is this one? This is my playlist. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, Jimi Hendrix, all along the Watchtower. Um, but yeah, it's all sort of similar, similar stuff. <laughs> Thank you, people. So, Mike, right? Yes. Tell me more about you. Um, I've been here nearly four years now. Mm-hmm. Um, a keen cyclist myself. Um, I uh, ride over from Worthing every day to come to work here. Um, and yeah, I, I do uh, my main responsibility here are uh, warranty. And I look after all the clothing and kit for all the uh, employees here. Ah, so you're looking at so basically all the amazing jackets and stuff for hands. It's actually your design and your thing. Or just the material side? Just the, the physical idea of um, actually putting the orders on Bright Pearl, organising who needs what. Um, yeah. More like the admin side of things, and then ordering the stuff in. Ah, that's super nice. Going back to, you said that actually you take care about the warranty part and stuff. Is a bit more, you're putting your hands on, uh, on the wheels? Yes, or? yeah, so the wheels themselves come in, I look at them, see what needs to happen to them, and if they've been damaged, figure out what needs to be done, and then put them out onto the workshop floor, and then for the guys out there, for them to fix. Okay. Okay, that's super nice. So basically you have to arrange what is going to be the next process to fix yes. it and send it back to the customer. Yeah. So a lot of responsibility, right? What usually comes back from uh, from the customers? Um, there's a mixed bag, really, um, uh, with, with, with wheels. Um, sometimes it's uh, the wheels get cracked or damaged or the carbon wheels will have um, issues sometimes with uh, brakes uh, heating up too much and then delaminating wheels. Mm. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a mi- mixture of things, really. Okay, okay, okay. Tell me a bit more about your cycling. What do you usually cycle? Where do you ride your bike? What kind of... Uh, at the moment, mainly, it's road riding from back and forth to work. But okay. I do uh, ride mountain bike as well. I've got one of our privateer bikes that we have here, which I absolutely love. Yeah. But the only trouble is, because I do about 150 miles a week, I don't have any energy at the weekends to ride. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, that's perfect. Anything that you have actually in the plan for next riding or whatever, apart from commuting up and down? Uh, Jay that works in dispatch is going to do a little uh, bike bivy up at the... Uh, ah, so you're going to do it as yeah, well. Pete told me before, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're going to do that in uh, on this Friday, actually. Hopefully the weather holds out for it because it looks like it, it might rain, but it'll be good fun yeah. to get out with the guys. And what bicycle are you riding for that? Uh, I have a Merlin gravel bike that I use for that. Oh, that's amazing. And your road bike? Uh, I've got a Kinesis Athene. Oh, wow. From it's super cool, actually. Everything that is a bit more from here and there is yes, nothing yeah. really... Yeah, because Kinesis are just around the corner at Upgrade, so it's nice. We get a very nice deal with those guys. They look after us nicely. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a nice, nice lightweight road bike. It's good fun. That's perfect. Thank you, Mike. No, it's all good. Thank you. Still wandering here around, and actually I met Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, how you doing? I'm pretty good. What about you? How are you spending your money? Um, just tidying up a bit of work here and there, and uh, reading up the latest news on bikes and stuff, and getting into the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> What's your responsibility here at Hunt? And well, I sit in the supply chain team, so um, we do a lot of spreadsheet reporting stuff, but we deal with sort of like where the wheels are going, whether. UK warehouse, US warehouse, like process, purchase orders and stuff and sort of general checking, you know, lining things up, admin, that kind of thing, the, the less exciting parts of the world. But uh, yeah. I mean, yes, you need to do it anyway. So I don't know if it's a, Do you like it? Are you excited by that? 
I, I'm excited because it's related to bikes. That, that's kind of you know you, you can put the the bicycle in the in the frame of uh, the picture of the spreadsheet instead of seeing the numbers, and it kind of balances out and makes it okay kind of thing. It's it's really a, a means to an end of bikes, bikes, bikes. Exactly. Then let's talk about that. What bicycle means for you then? How everything started with you and the bike? Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, you know, I've ridden bikes since kid. Like a lot of people have had that joy and um, just continued through adulthood I, I use it for you know s- sport for for health uh, for mental health and all sorts of things you know there's uh, it's always a bit of escapism with the with the riding what have you and um, you know with with the recent covid stuff we've we've done a fair amount of pubs in the woods kind of thing mm-hmm. and yeah going it. out i was doing it as well with coffee and with beer actually yeah yeah so we, it was we, bar and cafe and pub in the woods yeah yeah fires fires and beer is is definitely uh, that that that's way better than a pub these days and i, I do that probably more often it's now fire season has just started so uh, it's getting exciting again <laughs> that's super great and then talking about the bikes what bicycle are you riding is that your bike That that is one of my bikes. Um, that's my privateer one six one. I bought that because I'm forty and uh, don't want to crash and hurt myself as much. I bought a safety net by buying a large bike that uh, is probably well outside my capabilities. But it's a lot of fun to ride. It's a lot quicker and um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. But I I predominantly ride my hardtail, so um, I've got a little Colic Solaris Max, um, mm. and that that does most of my woods duties and general downs riding and all that. Um, although I I do have a gravel bike, um, a Kotic Escapade, mm-hmm. which uh, is is sort of like all road gravelly kind of thing that I ponder around on, and um, yeah, that's. Uh, Got a little single speed to ride around with a kid to make it a bit more. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that goes out with the tow rope in the uh, the the front bag and uh, yeah, ice cream and coffee on the beach. That's great. Are you also joining the backpacking trip or an overnight that is going to happen here around this Friday? I think. Oh, I would love to. I'm still waiting to break my um, bikepacking cherry as such. Uh, I've got all the gear, but uh, I'm I'm going up. I'm going up north to drink some beer in. Uh, some breweries up north um, for that weekend uh, so uh, I'm going to have to wait for the next one that's okay perfect Chris thanks a lot oh welcome cheers <laughs> still wandering here around and then talking with uh, cool my name is Lawrence um, I, I work here at the rider firm doing spare parts for privateer and hunt um, so yeah all the bits that bolt onto our wheels and onto our bikes just make sure we have what we need um, and keep things rolling Ah, oh, perfect. So tell me more a bit. Tell me a bit more about that. So spare parts for bikes and wheels, right? Yeah. So um, you know, if uh, if we ever need to repair anything or keep older wheel sets running, make sure we've got things like spokes and um, adapters, bearings. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to upgrade or change your wheel set to a new bike, just make sure we've got plenty of adapters. Um, and yeah, make sure we've got the right stuff awesome. to go with them. Yeah, that's super perfect. So actually, yeah, whatever I want to do in my bike, in all my bike or my wheels, I will ask you. And you're going to provide me with everything they can do for fixing or upgrading? Yeah, just make sure the sort of rest of the team have, have access to the right stuff. We can keep all of our, our riders rolling on the right bits and support the um, guys on our sort of tech and warranty teams. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. The coolest thing that actually I found out once that I was uh, receiving my, my wheels was actually that I received from you also a few spokes as a spare. 
I mean, that's amazing because this is the first thing that breaks. Yeah, it's good to have like things to support people and keep them rolling along. Um, and yeah, just make sure they've got the the right stuff. Um, and yeah, whether it's our, you know, whether it's one of our one of our riders, one of our supported athletes, is yeah, we've got to make sure we've got all those bits to keep them keep them going. That's perfect. Tell me more about your life on a bike. Then, do you ride bikes? Uh, yeah, I love riding bikes. Um, I don't really have a preference. I've got a road bike, I've got a gravel bike, I've got a couple of mountain bikes. Um, it just depends how I'm feeling. We've got a really like active kind of scene here. Um, so yeah, turn by Tuesdays, big stapler every week. Get out on a Tuesday evening, go out on mountain bikes. Um, sadly, this time of year it's time to put lights on, but in the summer it's it's pretty wild. Um, nice. Everyone gets involved. It's a good leveler for like, everyone in the company to get together. Um, including Flare Bar Thursdays, which like nice local gravel rides. Um, which are led every week by our colleague Jay. Um, yeah, yeah. Who is leading as well the bike packing trip of this weekend, right? Yeah, that's also that's also Jay, um, Route Master Jay. He's he's the man. <laughs> <Root master. laughs> he knows every bridleway and path. It's incredible. He's like a Tom Bombadil of bikes. He just turns off and suddenly you're somewhere you've never been before. Um, if you think you know the local area well, you don't until you've gone for a ride with Jay. It's, um, it's really cool. <laughs> That's lovely. Another passion of yours is actually listening to podcasts. What were you listening before? Um, I was listening to uh, the Roy Companion podcast because uh, Ollie Wilkins is a funny guy. Um, but yeah, often got like something in my ears. Um, lots of other sort of like cycling podcasts and a few like car-based and motorsport ones as well um and then a lot of free economics um oh, just wow. you know like it helps to have someone you know keep me distracted while i'm going through spreadsheets and ordering bits and pieces for us miles away the day <laughs> that's great thanks a lot no troubles still going around and actually found dan one of the original crew actually josh defined you like this yeah uh yeah been here been here a fair while to say the least i think it's seven years now so yeah uh, I work in the sort of tech department so that involves looking after wheels and bikes uh, sort of running day to day on technical side making sure things are running straight and looking after our customers the best we can perfect what do other, what usually the customers say about you then are uh, they happy with you or not yeah after seven years better no? <laughs> yeah uh, I, I feel we do we do a pretty good job of looking after our customers here uh, we always try to do right by by the rider um, so generally whatever they they think is is the right thing to do is generally what we try try to help them facilitate in any way we can so generally we try to go above and beyond and nothing's really too much trouble that's super perfect the thing that I want to ask you I mean you look after the riders you are riders yourself you're a rider yourself right yeah uh, I do a fair bit of riding and racing uh, I race Oof. yeah <laughs> I race uh, cyclocross and XE MTB uh, yeah for, for, for Hunt which is good fun so yeah currently in the middle of uh, London League cross series which is good fun uh, yeah, it's going well so far. It's only start of the season, but yeah, we're in a... How do you feel for the start of the season? Yeah, not bad. Uh, always try and come in a little bit under under prepared, just because it's, it, it's a long one, and definitely you feel it by the end of February if you do, like the, do the whole thing. Yeah. And yeah, I like the mud, so I try to, try to peak for them. So, but yeah, no, going, going good. A couple of, couple of top 10 so far, so oh, can't, wow. can't complain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last thing that I want to ask you is, a lot of bicycle riding what's your bike then or what's your bikes bikes i've got a fair few bikes uh i spend a lot of my time on my cross-country bike uh which is a specialized epic um hardtail and then cross bike is a planet x 
Uh, and then I have a privateer, obviously, through working here. Uh, I've got 141, which I do a lot of my injury racing and riding on, which is good fun. Yeah, you did have a nice specialised as well, didn't you? Oh, I did have a, yeah, an orange an orange bike, uh, El Dento, which I put a nice uh, dent in the bottom bracket. Have you seen it's hanging up? Yeah, yeah, I'll show you Stefano in a second. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I had, a, I had one of Josh's Hamley Downs, um, which, is, which I looked after for many years. Many uh, weeks before you yeah. crashed it. <laughs> it still did. It went good. It did. It did two mega avalanches and uh, three weeks in Morzine after after the dent. So that's a testament to Specialized's frame design. So yeah, no, it's good. Thanks a lot. No worries. Years ago, called Twenty Four Hour Solo Racing. So we are here talking with two amazing creators here. What's your name? Scampi. And what's yours? Matt. How you doing, Matt? Yeah, very good, thank you. So tell me more. What so are you doing here new, around, new about, apart from um, cuddling Scampi? Well, I, I cuddle my new little dog. He's so cute. Um, but no, um, I run the warehouse, so distributing wheels for the rider firm and stuff like that, and organising the um, deliveries coming in, so we get containers every week and stuff like that. But I also do help with product development and testing and things like that like we all do okay because we all ride bikes we all love bikes and if we have an idea we can let the directors know or the engineering team know and like my big buddy josh here who i've known since he was 16 years old <laughs> i met him at the three peaks cyclocross race yeah. when he won the was it juvenile or junior event yeah junior event and we've done loads of races over the years, like Trans Wales and things like that. 24-hour so races. 24-hour races as well. And the 24-hour racing scene, I mean, that was a bit of a weird one because we heard uh, a rumour that a Canadian guy, because 24-hour racing was getting big in the US, and there was a rumour that a Canadian guy called John Samstead uh, wanted to do a 24-hour solo, but the organiser, Blair Knight, wouldn't let it happen. So he entered as a four-band pro team and kept changing his clothes. No way. Yes. Cheating. Yeah. But he did it. But it was only kind of like hearsay. And then um, I think it was 1999, we badgered um, the organiser of the only 24-hour organiser in the UK to organise a solo 24-hour race, of which I did. And I organised it so the BBC came along with me, which was a bad idea because I did extremely terribly. But I managed to forge a career in 24-hour racing, and now it's uh, turned into a massive sport, of which Josh was nearly national champion many times. 18-hour national champion. Yeah, Josh is 18-hour European and British yeah, champion. Two times. Basically, I'd go out hard and blow up because I was young and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why you didn't finish the 24-hour. because yeah. It's like in the bikepacking races now when you can see the people going out too hard. I was that guy, but it was 24. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he's learnt. He's learnt his lesson, and he's a good lad now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What do you ride usually now? Me? Mm-hmm. Um, normally ride my gravel bike. I've got a Mason ISO, which I wow. absolutely love, Yeah. which helped design by Josh. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. And me, a little bit. <laughs> That's great. But yeah, no, I love that bike. You yeah. can literally do anything on it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks a lot. No worries. So I'm here in a, I would say, lab with Ollie. Is it a lab? Uh, 
Test facility, let's use that word. <laughs> okay, 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 perfect. I can see here something happens. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name the brand, probably I should not. No. But what is going on? Um so currently we're um impact testing a competitor wheel. Um we test we do we drop weights um or, well, with an anvil at the bottom, a shaped anvil, onto a wheel at different heights, um, and then we see how they break, essentially, at what, at what energy level they break at. So, yeah, that's what we're doing, essentially. Exactly. And, I mean, after this test, how are going to use the results of it for your production? We can, ha- we can take various aspects, like the shape of the rim, I assume, mm-hmm. um, to understand why it might have had a good impact test result or a bad impact test result and then maybe use it or not use it depending on the outcome on our own wheels i assume that's what we do um (laughs) um, but so at the moment we've got a unnamed brand wheel in a competitor's brand and currently we've done our base setting which uh base test um which is 40 joules which is the UCI test um, and then we then ramp it up from here now so at the moment it's um, let's just have a look are you going to smash it again by the way yeah, uh, well, yeah but it's a bit time consuming but we will yeah. um, so this is a done at 40 joules and um, there is no impact uh, marks so it has essentially passed this test um, if I show you a different wheel from the same wheel set um, oh yeah, we got so the initial one at forty joules here. Um, as you can see, that there is no yeah. marks at all. Um, we then, well, I then tested it to seventy joules, which is different height. And so forty joules is the UCI yeah limit. Okay, uh, UCI test just test. for um, purely to see if it, it can work to their standards, which is not necessarily the best standards we admit. Yeah. So we want to test our higher standards. Of course. So we. Our pass rate is 70 joules, mm-hmm. which is about I don't know, 30 centimetres higher in terms of the drop height. And as you can see, there is um, yeah. some, there's an indent on the, the, the hook at the top, and then there's, um, it has um, delaminated on the sides, and it's very squishy on the sides. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You would not ride this one. I wouldn't want to ride yeah. this one myself. Um, yeah. And we, if it passes 70 joules, we go up to 80 joules, and we keep going from there. Um, this is just for the road wheels, for the mountain bike ones, I understand. Uh, we start about 100, I think we start about 80 psi, uh, sorry, 80 joules, and then I think you can go up to like 130, 140 joules, which is quite a lot more than mount, uh, the road. So, yeah. Perfect. Cool. Yeah. I want to ask you a last question about you though ah no first thing the first thing about the test you're making this test with the tire on right yeah um so we did it with inner tubes and with inner tubes inner tubes yeah so depending on the wheel um so for the road wheels we tend to test it with a 28c tire mm-hmm. and then using an tube and then we then obviously have to swap out the inner tube every time, pretty much, because you're basically breaking the inner tube each yeah. time, which is a bit annoying, but hey-ho, it happens. <laughs> and then, yeah, that's it, really. Um, that's we, we, we test at a, I think it's 10% below the maximum pressure of the tyre, so a reasonable pressure, but not too high. 
almost a real world sort of pressure if you will um yeah that's how we do it yeah and you do it also with different brands of tires right or it's not affecting we, really we we have a controllable tire so mm. we we, Makes we sense. so we keep it um we use Schwalbe tires um so we use Schwalbe pro one for road um Schwalbe magic mary for a mountain and I'm not sure about a gravel. I haven't done a gravel wheel yet. But yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. Last thing that I want to ask you: You ride bikes, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. What do you ride? Um, so I'm a mountain biker. Um, so I ride a privateer bike. Um, of course. No, I actually bought it before I worked here. Ah, so that's I'm, why you got it, tired. Yeah, that's how I got tired. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, I've been riding that for the last two years, and then I also ride a Newproof Digger, um, which is a mega little gravel bike with six fifty B wheels. Super, super fun. Love it. Um, I'm actually about to chuck on some seven hundred C wheels on that. See what how that handles like that because different, it's like different geometry change sort of thing. Yeah. Be interesting. Uh, I'm looking to get I'm really a mountain biker so that's my bread and butter so like um, Enduro is my in, Enduro mountain biking is what I do really so <laughs> but I want to get into cross country for some reason I just want to do it <laughs> I want to do it all yeah. M plus one in that <laughs> thanks a lot Tali. no worries you won't believe it but actually at a certain point while I was walking around done in the offices and in the factories of Hunt only called me back in for the real test listen to what happened so I'm now about to do one which is at 80 joules. 80 joules. 80 joules. You did already the 70. Yep. Okay. Ready, you know, and also good. Okay. Also good. Yeah, so 40 and 70 all good. Um, I'm about to go to 80. So we go to 40 to 70 just because 70 is normally quite a good uh, point just to test that because it's six, sometimes 60 is better, but you never know, sometimes 70 is. Yeah, okay. I don't know. It's what I've been told anyway, so I'm just going with what I've been told. No ways. Uh, so I'm just going to firstly check. Um, so I've just got the tyre on, um, which was a bit of a pain admittedly. Um, mm. And we're just going to get check the pressures because we like to keep that constant. So for this one, we want it to be 70, uh, 85. Um, Bingo. <laughs> so we like to test between parallel spokes, but oh yeah. Um, so we, but we never test that the valve hole just because it's a known weaker point essentially. Mm -hmm. So you might as well test where somewhere stronger. So we're going to test that. Just going to mark on. And you write eighty joules. Yeah. And this is all on the drive side with my Yeah, 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 yeah. So, put that in the uh, test rig. Yes. Clamp it in place. Back on. So, this is of cap the drop rope. I'm um, going to just put myself behind you now. Yeah, and we're just going to set up a camera so we can record. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, just going to take an, I was just recommend taking another step back if I was you. Just never know. Yes. Um, cool, got it going. It's pretty clear. What Test over. <laughs> I think that AT Jewel got it. So, what did it happen? Let's have a look. <laughs> it was a bit scary, I to tell you, huh, Oli? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I probably should explain before. <laughs> probably gonna go bang. Uh, nice. So, wow. 
pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, so what's your fingers? Um, yeah, I'm not gonna touch anything. I'm gonna let you do it. <laughs> As you're taking out, anyways, the the tire now to check. Just to see properly. So, without taking the tire off, we can see cracking on the the top of the uh, rimwall on the hook quite nicely where the anvil hit and the crack has then propagated or spread from there outwards the oh that is super the side wall is super super flimsy mm. um and i can just about see some sort of see it there some uh, cracking in yeah um the rim bed without even taking the tire or tape off so yeah tasty yeah Oli, I want to ask you a question. I mean, we talked about the 40 jewel that is the UCI test. It sounds, yeah. it sounds pretty scary. Um, <laughs> the 40 jewels testing that is UCI testing, yeah. 70, and now you did 80. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you just maybe give me an example of what it can be a 40 jewel impact? What can it be? Just for example, I don't know, so, getting a paddle or whatever. Yeah, so this is kind of, um, so this test is kind of to replicate um, a square edge. So like sort of uh, a pothole, curb, just to replicate that impact. But the 40 joule base UCI test is not necessarily high enough standard. Oh. Hence why we want to go above that to test our wheels to make sure they're stronger, make sure they're more... Um, the tests that we do are more applicable for real-world scenarios. Mm. So we feel that, as I say, for 40 joules it's not high enough, so we up to higher test the wheels at a higher rating and we expect our wheels to then pass at that higher energy level and actually exactly what kind of test do the hand wheels need to pass how many jewels i would say jewels? 70 we want to be 70 70, jewels, 70 yeah. 80 is actually an impact that is so strong it's right beyond that yeah. yeah so for this to pass for this competitor wheel to pass at 70 is great for it to fail at 80 is kind of what we kind of expect um we can then maybe use this in future, um, yeah. So I actually jumped in uh, the warehouse, right? You are in the warehouse indeed, yes. Hunt Warehouse. <laughs> Who am I talking with? So my name's Shirley, um, and I've been here for eight years now. I mean, then the beginning probably. Yeah, yeah, very much from the beginning when they first started off with inner tubes. Um, that's how I started here, packing and uh, dispatching those out of a teeny tiny warehouse on the other side of the estate. So, yeah. I heard a lot about that actually today. It seems like everybody's super astonished on how this company grew. Um, it's the reason why I started here, the enthusiasm of uh, Tom and Pete when they mm -hmm. first started the business up and I never was looking at doing a job like this and how it has grown is just blows your mind how we've got this far. Yeah. So what do we have around? Okay, so this is our warehouse where we house an awful lot of our wheels. Um, we do have another um, for separate facility which does house another few thousand of them. Um, but yeah, this is where we pick, this is where we dispatch. This is the, I like to call us the key team, um, dispatch team, which basically gets the product out to the customer um, as quickly and as efficiently as we can. We've done some massive improvements, as you can see, looking around, um, and it's... Uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a work in progress. It always has been because we've grown so quickly. It's all been a learning curve for all of us. Uh, but getting it into this sort of state is fantastic and it's really just a really cool place to work. That's amazing. And do you ride bikes? 
I'm not the best bicyclist, I have to say, out of everybody here. I do ride them, though, um, every now and then. We do. We have a special ride, actually, on a Wednesday evening, which is normally in the summertime called a bimble, which is for the people that ride a little bit slower than some of the faster guys that ride here. I can't wait to join this one. Eh? Yeah, it's, it's the one for me, I can tell you. Otherwise, if you take one of the e-bikes out, it's even better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Still in the warehouse and talking with Alex Taylor. Hi, Alex. So tell me more about you here inside. Yeah, so I'm operations and facilities manager here. Um, I've been here for about five years. Um, used to run the customer service team as well, but as we've grown, I'm just now looking after the operational side of the business. So I look after the guys in tech, which you might have spoken to Dan over there. And then obviously I look after Shirley over here, which we just spoke speaking to just now. Um, so it's just the day-to-day runnings of the company and how we do it. Um, and like you say, we're in here in the warehouse. Um, I house myself over in the um, tech team in the office over there, along with the supply chain guys and the IT guys, because uh, we work together quite closely in quite a few different areas. So we work across doing that. What's the biggest challenge then? Um, biggest challenge? Probably... Um, I'm talking about work, then we're going to talk about challenges in cycling. But yeah. Okay. So biggest challenge at works is probably... Meeting the demands of the peaks. Um, so we we have our general business and then we have our peak seasons. Um, and obviously we've got to make sure that we're looking at costings across the whole business. And we can't obviously just draft in lots of people for our peaks. So it's how we maximise the staff we've got to make sure that we can cover our peaks and keep our um, promises to our customers in time and, and all those things we've got to do from dispatch but also from the tech team and also from the bike team so it's making sure we can meet demands across the whole of the business in our peaks and our quieter times we're making improvements so when we have our slightly quieter times we've got lists of jobs that we need to achieve for our innovation and our growth so we can make sure that we're doing that in our quieter times so when we are busier we can make sure that some of the things we can make automated can be knocked off of our manual lists and do it that way around. That's amazing. Dan, do you ride bikes? I do ride bikes, yeah. I'm uh, very fortunate that I've just recently got a an e-bike. So I've got a um, specialised turbo SL, which I ride. We do a turn bar, so every Tuesday from here we do a ride out. Um, we go to six, dif- six different riding spots around the area, um, do it in a rotation, and then we ride every Tuesday evening. And then I've got two children, Um, one of them well they both play football but one of them does cycle as well and I take him out when I can that's amazing so yeah we do that do do a bit of riding as well obviously not as much as I used to do I used to do a lot of cross country where I know Josh from Um, used to do a lot of cross country racing but um, yeah since the demands of having children has steered me into more of a trail rider gravel rider do a little bit of road but yeah main, mainly mountain bike is where i enjoy being that's perfect anyways now you're gonna actually also bring your kids riding bikes with you and everything is gonna start back yeah that's right and now i've got an e-bike i can turn up the hill when it's wow when they're struggling as well so that's good <laughs> thanks a lot Alex. no worries cool in the back door of the warehouse i met finally jay how are you doing i'm good thanks yeah you're good nice to meet you <laughs> nice to meet you tell me more about you um i've been here about two and a half years now um i was actually working as a potter before i was here so um it's a completely um different career for me yeah um as a, and i'm part of the cs team but i'm um, a cs di- liaison dispatch um, person so i kind of work between the customer service team and the dispatch team mm-hmm. because um, as the company's grown the customer service team's sort of based elsewhere so they can get in touch with the warehouse through me if we need to do any last minute changes to orders stopping orders cancelling orders amending them stuff like that so um 
they messaged me and I go out to the warehouse looking through boxes and change things before they go out. It's amazing. Yeah. And why everybody I mean, talks about you here in the company? seems like you know your way around here, a lot of trails, several routes. Um, yeah, I've got a bit of an obsession with ordnance survey maps and bridleways and kind of linking up lanes and kind of trying to find continuous routes where there isn't really a continuous route. So, um, okay. um, so I started doing a Thursday evening ride called Flare Bar Thursdays and we go out for a bit of a gravel ride. Well, I mean, gravel's a bit of a misnomer, mostly kind of horse-churned, muddy bridleways rather than <laughs> gravel in the um, traditional sense. But um, we go up maybe 20, 30 miles, finish at the pub, makes a nice social evening and a nice way to relate to your work colleagues, um, apart from being working with them all day. That's perfect. And what are the, what are the comments usually after your Thursday ride? Are they people insulting you or they're saying, that's amazing, I'm super happy. I mean, probably we can divide them in what they are telling you during the ride and after the ride. Yeah, yeah, there can be a bit of swearing going on in the ride as they're kind of pulling their bikes out of the mud, sucking them under and um, smashing through sort of fossilized hoof-churn bridleways. But, um, um, yeah, mostly really appreciative. Yeah, they really like it and they come back for more and, um, and sort of tell their friends about it. And so we get a few people from outside the company who want to join in as well. So, um, and do we allow them doing it or is it just for hunt people? It's really just for hunt, but sometimes we let some other guys come along if they know people working here. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And it seems like you're preparing something for this weekend, right? Um, yeah, we do. A, I did a bivy last year for people who haven't done so much bivying. So um, yeah, we booked a little um, field down at a farm locally. We can have a fire. Um, And then we're going to do a gravel ride down to a brewery the following day. So again, it's kind of a social thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many people are going to take part to it? Do you have a rough idea? It's about 14, but a few people have dropped out. I think I've seen the weather forecast. Mm. It's like the only rainy day of the week yeah, in yeah, the yeah. forecast. But, um, yeah. Maybe the most important question I still didn't ask is, what bicycle are you riding? Um, I've got two Masons. I've got a Mason Definition road bike and a Mason Bokeh yeah. gravel bike with um, 650B wheels on it so fat tires for all the bumpy bridleways and so what are you going to bring then for friday i'll bring the bokeh yeah <laughs> you never know better to be on the safe side yeah yeah the kind of riding we'll be doing friday saturday morning is going to be quite bumpy that's perfect yeah last question that i want to ask you tell me what's your favorite route here around or better the route you you could usually call your backyard ride is there any um yeah i live down on the coast in worthing um so The South Downs backs onto Worthing, and there's also Angmering Park Estate, which is just to the west of Worthing, mm -hmm. which is lots of sort of forest tracks, so you can put a bit of a loop together, okay. go out for an hour and a half, two hours, and climb up onto the hills, go through the forests. So it's got a nice mixed route that you can kind of squeeze into a little bit of time in between doing family stuff. So, yeah, it's perfect. It's amazing. It's a lot of joy. Okay, thank you. Seems like customer service is a real deal for racing bikes at Hunt. Sorry, Josh. Listen to Rich and Sai, and then you will know why. So I just arrived to the new office, and they met. What's your name? Uh, my name's uh, Richard Cartland. Yes, Rich. Everybody call you Rich. Rich. Yeah, Dickie, Rich. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And other names that probably can't say. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to say that off record. Okay. <laughs> so tell me more. Where are we? Uh, we're at um, Customer Service Headquarters at Changton Fold, uh, but just down the road from the um, Partridge Green Warehouse, which was the office that we um, were all used to be based at. But as we've grown, we've t you know we've outgrown 
the office up there. Yes, I saw it. I see there. So, yeah, you've probably seen it. Um, and we've, we've moved down here about two years ago. We was next door. And then we took on this space. And then we've taken on the one there. So we, as we've grown and grown. We've had to kind of, like, you know, move to other, other locations nearby. And, and this is where, like, customer service is based. Um, here, and it's, a, yeah, it's a beautiful location. Yeah, it's really nice. So it's, really, it's a really nice place to work. Apart from customer service, tell me a bit more about you where you're cycling. <laughs> I mean, I heard a lot of good, nice stories about you. Tell me more. Tell me why. Uh, about cycling? Yeah, yeah so um, I used to do a lot of road racing. Road race, I mean, I, I, from about 20 years ago, I used to road race a lot. Well, first, before that, sorry, I did used to be a mountain biker, cross-country mountain biking, mm. back in the late 90s. <laughs> um, Basically, you were riding gravel bikes. Yeah, well, no, it's, this is we're talking hard-time mountain bikes back in the day, you know, like, you know, front suspension only, um, cross-country racing. Um, and then I got fed up of crashing and washing my bike. So I took up, so I, so I bought a road bike to train on and then I started, I did a road race and I really enjoyed it. And then I then started just doing road racing. Um, yeah, and I did, used to do a lot of road racing, like, you know, all around the country. Um, I used to do the biggest races I could enter. I, I rode for a team that did a lot of really cool races. Um, and like national, like the national series and stuff, and um, yeah, had a, I used to have a great time. And now? And now um, I've kind of <laughs> you get older, and you kind of end up kind of uh, doing different things on the bike. And now I get more enjoyment out of doing some of the early season hilly road bike time trials and then later on and then enjoy the summer riding my bike okay. without racing and then this time of year now I do the hill climbs I mean, tell I've, me a bit more because I think that there is a, a huge community a huge, a huge kind of culture of hill climbing here in UK in yeah. England but yeah I mean it's something that actually really the culture is only tell us more what is it it's a really unique racing scene I think in the world um, it goes back an awful long way like the Catford Hill Climb for example is the oldest continuing bike race in the world it's you know over 100 years old so there's a lot of events which have a lot of history um, and obviously because it's linked to time trialing which is very big in the UK it's a, a, a branch of time trialing and it's yeah it's very it's very unique and very British and it's, it's a very short season, so you're looking from probably the beginning of September to the end of October, that's the season. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of great events and with really enthusiastic crowds, because it's, I'm sure, short, tend to be shorter climbs in the UK, and you get crowds that will kind of congregate on the steepest bits to watch people suffering, and it's, it's a really good. It's a, you get really good atmospheres there, and a lot. It's a very quite a small community community of racers as well, and you see a lot of the same people at, at, at the events. And you, so it's um, unlike road racing where you're trying to beat the people around you and using tactics and whatever. With like a time trial, it's you, and what they do has no influence on you. So in that respect, you, you there is nothing to be gained by not encouraging other people because it's 
everyone trying to get the best out of themselves regardless as to what everyone else has done so you get a lot of um, encouragement from people and it's uh, it's a great great community yeah, yeah it's really good really good fun and actually basically the thing is that you jump on your bike and you do a climb yeah. as fast as possible yeah. That's and, what... and the other key thing about it is unlike time trialing and road racing it's much more affordable because the bikes tend to be stripped just you want it as light as possible so they're just stripped down you know you haven't you haven't got to spend as much money on the bikes to be competitive so in that respect it it encourages more people to do it who don't really race anywhere else and just like oh have a go and you know it's i think it's more um it's more affordable by people to do which which each then in itself then um, creates a wider community of people I think, who, who, who do it, so it's, you know, it's great. And so what bicycle are you riding? My hill climb bike is... You can actually go as light as possible, there oh, is yeah. no limit. There's no limit, no limits. Um, there are rules, um, you have to have two working brakes if you are not riding fixed. If you're riding fixed you have to have a front working brake. But other than that, there's no rules. Perfect. So you weight is key. <laughs> so it's all about going light as possible so you are looking at single front rings um, and cut off bars saddles with no padding on no bar tape basically anything you don't need comfort's not not a, 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 an issue at all you just for comfort yeah. you are going to be in a lot of pain so you don't need bar tape to have comfortable hands it won't matter you won't notice it so it's all about going as light as possible so you see a lot of interesting modifications um, so yeah but my bike is my old my old road bike from a couple of years ago it's an Argon 18 Gallium Pro. It's a super light frame, really nice, really light frame, with a pair of hunt, super light hill climb wheels. Uh, they're tubeless, and it's got a Dura-Ace group set, but single ring on the front. And you change the ring depending on the how steep the climb is. So yeah, uh, that's that's it basically. Yeah. Expectation. I think you are going to take part to the World Championship, right? No, no. What's it champs. called? National Nas- champs. Yeah, national champs. So, um, I have been in top ten in national champs, and I used to be. You know, you go to a hill climb, and you were kind of looking at being in. You know, right up there for everyone. But I'm a bit older now. Yeah, I'll stop it. <laughs> so you you get older, you have to then. You know, your goals sort of change a little bit. So now, um, as a vet, I'm looking when I go to do an event. I'm looking at. I want to be the first vet. I still want to try and win, but you know that sometimes that's not as achievable now as it used to be. So, yeah, there's a lot of... It's, it has specialised a lot, and there are now people who just do hill climbs and nothing else, whereas in the past you would get more people who used to do road racing and time trialling and then would do some hill climbs at the end. Yeah, now, like, a lot of aspects of the sport, you specialised a lot, and you only get... you get. The people who are really good at hill climbs tend to be the people who just specialise in them and nothing else. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks a lot. And best of luck. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you, Rich. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. You could call Road Edition sunglasses. Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah. He's got the radars, uh, and I'm really jealous. No, they are made. I mean, these are really beautiful. Uh, I, I use them for the wedding. And now I use them to do everything for riding bikes and everything. Yeah, I have this one and another pair. They are skin frogs. 
yellow. Yeah. Oh. But actually, they go scratch at the top of the place. Nice. Classic design. Oh, no, it's great. <laughs> uh, yes. Seems like here the customers are not. How do you call it? So, this is this, uh, obviously this is our uh, customer service kind of headquarters, okay. I suppose, yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so, we've had this, what's this about a year now. Started off in the little one next door. Yeah. And seemed- working solo during COVID and like waving across the room, and now we've got lots in here, so it's great. Yeah, it's great. Actually, it seems like that customer success environment, room, or whatever is full of champions. What do you think, Sai? <laughs> Didn't set that up at all. <laughs> I don't know about champions, but there's a few of us who kind of race a, you know, a little bit and yeah, enjoy what we're doing. I yeah. just think, just yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love my bike racing. Tell me, on, more. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more. What are you racing? Uh, I, kind of, I kind of race on the road. I race, yeah, I guess road time trials, road races. Um, a little bit of gravel now. A little bit of gravel. Yeah, mm-hmm. Got a gravel race coming up this weekend, which should be fun. Hopefully do well in that. It's like a master's race, so I've probably got a little bit more of a chance than what I have in, in other ones. So I'll, I'll give, that a big, give that a bit of a squeeze. You never know. Yeah. I've got an outside thing. I want to get a medal in that for the British um, King's Cup race. Wow. Yeah, I reckon it's feasible, possibly. <laughs> That's great. Have you done also something like super characteristic that I can see here in UK that is actually the 24 hours or whatever? Are you also involved in that? Uh, I haven't done anything kind of like Okay. I've done I've, only as part of a team. Yeah, so like kind of team MTV racing, that kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. I kind of, I'm quite, I, I watch, I see what kind of Josh does. And I, kind of, yeah, I don't know. It just seems, I, I don't know if I could, I, I guess it's stretching your boundaries. I've, I've got a, a little thing in next month, next year I want to do um, Unbound XL in the US and I've sort of I've got to do that with a pal and it's like be my first kind of a go at doing I reckon it'd be something that I don't know whether I can do it and I think there's sometimes I'm quite safe you know you kind of race a lot of the same types of events I'm pretty I know I'm, I'm quite useful in a time trial I know I can do well in kind of time trials and I, you know, I like doing well I like training for those and doing that but this is going to be something that's going to I think properly put me out of my comfort zone there's not many things I go into where I think, shit, I don't know if I can actually do that or not. So I think that's going to be a real experience. I think the XL one, was it 350 miles, mm-hmm. kind of gravel. Um, you've got to be a bit self-sufficient in that one as well. So it's like stopping at gas stations, planning your nutrition. I guess you just got to have a strong head, just keep ploughing through it and just keep going. So I was super fortunate also. I was with Ollie in the States early on in the summer and got to go and ride a steamboat. And that was just like such a great experience. Yeah absolutely loved that, that that ride you have to keep pinching yourself thinking I'm on my I'm at work but I'm I'm racing my bike in the Rockies and just having an absolute wow. kind of blast so yeah yeah it's really cool did you ask any tip to this guy over there for the Unbound 3XL 350 I haven't yet but I will <laughs> <laughs> I mean <laughs> I jumped into your room before in the room where you're working before and I saw a jersey pretty I mean clearly colorful in a frame <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was really, I was really fortunate. I, I won the, uh, it was like European forty to forty five Masters Road Race in twenty nineteen over in Holland. So that was just a really, really good weekend away. I had really good leg. I had a really good season in twenty nineteen, and I think sometimes that success breeds success. You're more confident in your when you're going well. You know, you make the right decisions. You don't doubt yourself, and you, I think you're a lot more aggressive as well. You feel that you can kind of do it. So I thought. I went there thinking that I could do quite well. Um, and it's really strange sometimes how, the, you know, pre-riding the course with some friends the night before, you just had this thing, oh, if I get to this point and I can be in a, you know, if I can get away on my own and be here at this point in the race, then I can win it. And it all just happened how, 
I'd imagined it to happen the night before. It was really kind of bizarre. There's not many times you get that kind of clarity where you you think about a race and you in, you envisage and you think, okay, this this could be really cool if this panned out. But everything just panned out. It all went my way as well, you know. So sometimes you need a bit of luck with it as well. But yeah, yeah kind of. I was in the breakaway and then I attacked the breakaway. I think with 17, 18k to go and. There's a real in Holland. It can be pretty windy a lot of the time, um, and you were kind of yeah by the water. It was just a real horrible headwind for like six k. I thought if I can get out of that section with sort of ten, fifteen seconds, so I didn't have much of a gap at that point. You then start picking up a bit of a kind of a cross tailwind, and I was I was motoring by that point. And you you only need the group behind to just hesitate for. 10 15 seconds and start thinking or start thinking about second place or third place rather than thinking about the win and then you you know you know you've got it i think a motorbike came up to me with 4k to go and said you've got 35 seconds you thought sweet that's in the bag that's mine that's <laughs> start awesome. enjoying it then you can see all these people that you know with you people riding the, who've been riding the other races and the everyone's kind of clapping and that and giving you encouragement and it's just a really zen like kind of awesome day it's actually the last <laughs> that's the last race i won which is rather embarrassing as well in terms of a bunch race so I remember thinking at the time, I hope that's not the last race I win. But not bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got a jersey for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I want to get top 10 in Unbound. I think, I don't, know, I don't know if that's achievable. I might be thinking that's... So we've gone from, I don't know if I can do it. Yeah. Top 10. Man up on the start line and be like, oh, I'm not sure if I can do this, but if I do, I want a top 10. <laughs> My mate, who actually was in with me in Holland when I won that, he did it this year, and I say he was on the YouTube thing with vegan cyclist guy, you know, Tyler. He was in his group. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, if he can do that, I can do that. And his race, you know, he, he went out way, way, way too hard, you know, attack from the gun. He was doing like, way big numbers in the first two hours of a massive oh, event. And I thought, well, he got, he got, I think he got 20th or 22nd or something like that. And you think, yeah, okay. Also, it's not as spicy as the XL one. I think the. 200 mile ones the, the one that all the pros ride and is really racy so probably the, the XL's probably going a little bit more sedate I'm hoping that's super amazing we will follow you on that last thing that I want to ask you and this was another hint from Holly <laughs> he told me yeah that's side bicycle not here it's over there and you, can you see how sparkling clean it is it seems like all your bicycles like, I like this tell I'm, me more I'm I, yeah, I'm really finicky with my bikes. My bikes have got to be kind of A1. I, I do wash my bikes to kind of death. If they get a little bit dirty, they get washed. But I always think you've... I know I've always... Even when you've ridden with teams and you've had help with kind of bikes and bits and pieces, when I started, my family wasn't from... I mean, I'm, not, I'm not from a kind of cycling kind of family. Yeah. I had really pretty crap bikes when I started kind of racing and I worked really really hard to get my bikes and I've always had a bit that you've got to, one you've got to look after if you want to be successful you've got to you know you can't have your bike kind of letting you down and they're a lot of money and I think I've just got a real thing I look after it and it will look after you that's perfect yeah thanks a lot Sai it's time now to talk with the person that made all this happening. The person that basically invited me here at Hans for the first time. Oli, it's yours. Well, I'm here in the van going to the other office and I'm here with Oli. I... How you doing? I'm really good. I mean, long time not seeing you. I yeah, mean, not, not today we have been together for the full time. But always yeah. nice to see you. And yeah. I feel like we... We last saw each other in, in March. Mm. Um, BCA. 
And we were saying earlier, right, that March feels like it was at least two or three years ago. Absolutely, yeah, a lot of things happening around. I can really tell you that, yeah, it's super, super, super crazy. And I can also tell you that probably we are here because of you. Or because of that talk in March. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I think generally whenever we're, um, whenever we're chatting away, certainly if there's a beer or two been had, we're always like, yeah, come over, come stay, come see our place. And no one ever says yes. Yeah. And here you are. You, uh, you took us up on the offer. You, yes. You've come to see our digs, our funny little, funny little office in West Sussex, UK. And yeah, it feels like home. It's, it's home for us, but it's really nice when we see people come in. I don't know if the office, is the office what you expected? Um, it, I don't think it often is for many people. No. Also because, I mean, it's so different from everything else that I saw. And actually, it's really, everything really well distributed. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, yes, 100%, it was exactly what I was, expe- was, I was, expe- uh, yeah. what I was expecting. But everything else, I mean, the structure itself is completely different from what I was expecting. I was expecting for sure a big warehouse, but probably more floors and stuff like this. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, I think it's probably quite easy to to have expected... A big shiny office, a big nice space, you know, lots of glass and marble like some companies in the industry have, and I think that's really cool. And, you know, we're working towards that, we'll get there, but I think it's easy to forget we're a very young company. We're still, still just started, and we, you know, when we think about stuff like office space and warehouse space, we have to be, we always have to be mindful, and we always have to ask ourselves, like, would our customer be happy for us to spend that money? Because it's their money, ultimately, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like, their money is what we spend on on everything on this van that we're in right now and going to events and going to shows so we have to say to ourselves you know do we need to have that big shiny office that's you know really nice for us but is it nice for other people so that's kind of like I guess one of the principles of why you know it's not exotic it's not this big um, this big crazy space but also one on a more practical level that office really suits us because as you've as you've mentioned the sort of distribution of the of the little of the office space and the warehouse space being on that estate is really good for us where we had such fast growth in the early years it enabled us to just take on flex into the space and then when the pandemic hit we kind of flexed out of a couple of spaces and we sort of flexed back into them so when you're in a big growth period as a company you don't want to go and predict how big the space you will ultimately need is and then go and buy it all because there's, there's a lot of money to invest right so it's kind of worked for us over these past few years but um yeah it's certainly interesting to see people's reactions when they come see it because it is it's this quirky little space in west sussex and yeah lots of funny little rooms and it's great though but i mean another thing is being here enables us to attract the best people yeah um sussex is as, as I'm sure you know, you know, like a little bit of a hotspot in the UK, certainly yeah. in the south for good cycling companies. Um, we have Enigma, we've got Mason, um, as bike brands go. Um, and there's a few other smaller companies. Uh, Ollie, Ollie founded Morvello in Brighton, where I live, just 10 miles from here. So, oh, really? Um, it's a really, really good space, a really good spot to be in. Um, and when you're looking around West Sussex for the sort of space we need, it's not easy to find. So... Um, it was important for us to stay kind of close to where we started because we you know, we know the scene here, we know the people here, and fortunately we have 
great people, local people working for us. Yeah. Um, so that's really important as well. You know, it would be easy to just pick it up and move it somewhere else, but you have to think about how easy it is for everybody when certainly when a lot of people ride to work as well I mean, I assume Josh showed you the kind of staff bike racks absolutely there. that's super cool yeah I mean, they're never, there's never space there's never space and maybe I need to get to work earlier but uh, yeah we need to make sure that people can ride to work you know we can't just be like oh hey we're off to Milton Keynes or to somewhere else you yeah. know it has, to, it has to work so yeah it's, it's the best we can do. <laughs> That's amazing. Question that I want to ask you: You're talking about, I mean, a lot of, I mean, a lot of evolution of the company, right? So you have been here for a lot of time. Yeah, twenty. I always get it slightly wrong. I think it was the twenty sixth of May, twenty sixteen, was my first day. Okay. And I'm not quite employee number one. Uh, I, I, I heard a lot of people actually claim this number. So, also, Josh was saying something similar. Well, it, so it depends how you how you phrase it because there's the rider firm and Inner Tube Shop, which actually existed. Did Josh say about Inner Tube Shop? Yes. So yes, Inner Tube yes, Shop yes. existed before Hunt, and so technically, Josh was the first Hunt only employee because okay. Shirley and Sarah, who both have the bigger claim to being the first um, rider firm staff split their time across inner tube shop and hunt right so like i think josh claims he was the first hunt member of staff which i think is true i claim i'm the longest serving hunt member of staff because josh left okay you gotta get yes, that yes, right yes, that's yes, a technicality yes. so like josh left he came back he left he came back he's, he's done this about four times so like consistently <laughs> serving on hunt i'm number one okay but 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 shirley and sarah have both been in the company as a whole longer than both of us. Okay. Um, so we, we, we can keep the, the claim to them. Yeah, you, basically everyone's trying to claim it and you have to be very, very particular about how you claim it. But if you're just like, I've been in the rider firm overall longest. I can't remember if it's Shirley or Sarah. It might be Sarah. We're going to meet Sarah in a bit. You met Shirley up there, right? Yes. Well. They're both still with us. Um, both wonderful, both really you know part of the fabric of the company um but yeah we always have a bit of a chat and i'm like well i think technically i'm 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 the longest serving hunt staff member but yeah i mean it doesn't matter i've been been here for six years um and it's been it's a very different company now to what it was six years ago and we were talking about how me and josh used to be the whole of the customer service department and the whole of the warranty team and then we were the whole of the tubeless tyre fitting team Um, (laughs) this is a story that people if you want to know probably you need to come over here and probably drink a couple of beers at the pub and then they can know it yeah 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 for sure there's some there's 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 great stories about Hunt um, which I would be foolish to disclose on a podcast okay no, we are not gonna do it. I mean, I mean, we're gonna do it off records. Maybe you are not allowed to listen to that, people. And you, what's your title, by the way? Now you were telling that you were basically everything, but now? Yeah, I mean, my title is still brand manager. Yeah. But um, spoiler alert, it's probably gonna change pretty soon uh-huh. um, because I've grown to do much more over time. Um, uh, where am I going to park us? Actually, I'll park us over in the car park over there. So yeah. we can. Um, yeah, I've grown to. Oh, obviously, I've, I've worn so many hats over many years. I say, like, was was fitting all the tubeless tyres and was dealing with customer service and was 
then managing a small customer service team when that started. Um, but really now, yeah, my job title is still brand. I mean, if you were to describe my actual job, <laughs> exactly. Let's go on that. Who cares about the title? There eventually, yeah. I mean, I, I am responsible for marketing and PR for sorry the beeping of the van it's fine uh, marketing and PR of all things drop bar for everywhere except North America so mm. that's where my esteemed colleague Ken steps in um, and he's doing a really good job with North American brand management a really good job because the American market is so so big for us now um, so yeah drop everything drop bar from athletes and teams and supporting those guys right through to um, journalists and media and you know, seating wheels for review and, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but it's quite a unique, unique one now. I think if you wrote my job spec down, given that I've been here for so long, I've had that sort of unique luxury of being able to hold on to the things that I maybe I liked across the years and maybe let, maybe let go of the things that I didn't like. So, like you, you end up in this quite odd space, which I think is quite common for you know early early members of staff in, in companies that grow quite quickly you end up in this weird space where you've got an, all sorts of weird responsibilities and, and things like that so so yeah that's me tell me a couple of your projects that actually you have done in all these six years that you're really proud of oh proud of proud of is an interesting thing I think or happy with I yeah, mean I also with. like it no I think I think pride doesn't need to be a dirty word um, I'd say none of these projects are mine or belong to me I think everybody has ideas and everybody works together and I think it's important to stress just how many people are involved in making things come to life I'd say one of the proudest moments for me with the company was when we um, we created a limited edition run of Kubeka of the wheels with the Kubeka branding yeah. um, for then um, Kubeka Next Hash um, at the world tour level because that final day on the Champs-Élysées and the Tour de France was when Mandela Day was. Um, usually Mandela Day falls a bit earlier in the Tour de France, but this time it fell on that last stage into the Champs-Élysées. And we created them, those um, wheels with the big Kubeka logo around the rim. Um, and they rode those wheels into Paris and then sent them back to us and we sold them. There was only oh. there was only 10 sets and we sold them and all the proceeds went to the Kubeka charity. And that was a real... That was a real... Because obviously, you know, it's no big secret like we went into the world tour and after a year came back out because unfortunately the team uh well the team has didn't fold but as we knew it they, they lost that license so we had our sort of year in the sun and and we'll certainly be back but um so you know hunt being at the tour de france was obviously such a a proud moment um winning three stages of the giro that year um but really yeah i think the thing i look back on the most most fondly was those those special Quebecer wheels and we gave 10 people the opportunity well it was nine uh, nine people the opportunity to to buy tour ridden equipment that you could never get again so yeah. yeah i was pretty proud of that that was quite cool last thing that i want to ask you then we can jump out from the van sure tell me about your bike riding there's not much of it these days stefano to be honest mm -hmm. i mean i know that you're super good and skilled 
Who told you that? You have a lot of skills on going on a mountain bike, off-road especially. Also on the bike, probably. Also the road bike, probably. Uh, I don't know who's been telling you. Telling uh, you told me last time that you were going down <laughs> to trails, that there were enduro trails <laughs> on a gravel bike. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like to underbike myself. I think un- underbiking is what I think we should It's what happens here. I mean, in Europe, underbiking is a great thing. Oh, yeah. It's an absolute art form. It's, it's funny. We... We, as many people know, we have Privateer as a sister company and like, you know, what an amazing brand creating these amazing bikes. But I haven't, I, I, I can't imagine where you'd need to be to ride one to feel on the ragged edge. Whereas it's like, you know, jump on a cross country hardtail with a hundred mil fork on it and do a red run and like, yeah, you feel like you feel like you feel like you're on the ragged edge as soon as you go over anything. And I think that's, that's part of the fun. That's part of the joy, I think you know it's like the analogy i give is when you know guys have a bugatti veyron or chiron or some some hypercar and something like that to to feel like you're on the limit you have to truthfully be in a very very unsafe place you have to be driving in a very unsafe manner but if you hit a b road in like a knackered old renault clio with like tires barely wider than a mountain bike you feel like you're on the edge in a very, very safe environment because you're probably doing like 30 mile an hour. And I think that's, I think that's, that's for me, that's what underbiking is about. It's just like push a bike over its limits, but not in an environment that's incredibly dangerous. So, um, yeah, ride small rubbish bikes. That's great. I'm in. Underbiking by Oli. Thanks a lot, Oli. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Right, should we get some food? I'm hungry. <laughs> With Oli, we are going to close this season number five of the Broomwagon podcast. Thanks a lot to you all who have been listening to this episode and to the whole season. And thanks a lot, Oli, to make this episode happen. And of course, thanks a lot, Josh, to bringing me around here. If you really want to support this podcast, you know that you can just put a good rating in the host that the application where you're listening to this episode. It's super important for me and it's actually gonna give me some help on Be Discoverable in the same app that you are using. It's super appreciated. Otherwise, coffee link down below and drop me some coins. It's super appreciated. Most importantly though, send me any kind of feedback you want, Calamaro CC or the Boom Wedding Podcast on the Instagram. Komoot already supported me for two years and I'm so happy to be, be partnered with them for making this podcast happening mostly though people thanks to you all the listeners and also to Pinarolo by Cafe to actually hosting me here for today with my noise and all my drinking coffee and now probably also beer people really you are the best and without you really this Broomwagon podcast would never happen and I'm so happy that I would hug you all after five seasons Season number six is going to come pretty quick. I truly believe that it's going to happen in January because I have a lot of ideas. But for now, best of the end of 2022 that I loved, by the way. And I hope for you also the best of the start for 2023. Talk to you soon. Kisses.